Thank you, Pat. It is the first Sunday of Christmas Tide, the day on which the lectionary points us to the Feast of the Holy Innocents. The contrast between our Tuesday celebration and today's lection is jarring. It's painful and stark. A mere five days ago, we celebrated the birth of Jesus together by candlelight singing songs. And just a few moments ago, sang Christmas carols. Yet today's text reminds us that no matter how much beauty and joy we are experiencing, the Messiah is born into a broken world riddled with violence. After last week where we talked about Joseph's dream, the one in which he was instructed not to be afraid and to take Mary as his wife, and after the baby is born, the story picks up in Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Herod is greatly troubled by this news and for good reason. Having scraped and scrapped his way to the throne, Herod is terrified of losing power. The Magi tell Herod that this little one is not made king like Herod himself, but is born king. So paranoid is Herod over the tenuousness of his position that he uses secret police to spy on his people, prohibits public protests, has his opponents removed by force, and has over 2,000 soldiers as bodyguards. Herod is a known despot who killed even his wife and son when his power was threatened. When he receives news then that a political opponent has been born, even if this opponent is a baby, he moves into action. He calls for the Magi and tells them to let him know once they have found the child, for Herod wants to pay him homage. So the traditional story continues as we have known it, usually without this nasty part. The star stops over the home and the Magi find Jesus and his mother. They offer him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're warned in a dream, however, not to return to Herod and therefore go home by a different route. Here's where we pick up today's text. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. So an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. If we're keeping count, this is the third dream so far in Matthew. Following the command for Joseph to marry Mary, and the dream the Magi received, not to go back to Herod. The angel tells Joseph that he and Mary are to take Jesus to Egypt until further notice, for he seeks to kill his rival. Given what we know of Herod, this makes sense, for the birth of Jesus is a powerful challenge to the world. 
So Joseph the dreamer takes his little family to Egypt, likely using the gold the Magi had brought to finance the journey. And I imagine the fear they must have felt, worrying that they would be stopped by every Roman soldier along the way. I imagine that every cry of their son would alert those to the presence of this young one. I imagine Joseph prodding an exhausted Mary and child to keep going, to get to Egypt as quickly as possible, to be beyond Herod's grip. Joseph's dream and his obedience save his son. But just when things should have calmed, when hearts should have been steady and breath should have stilled, a far worse nightmare takes shape. The text goes on. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled, for they were no more. Herod cannot find the child-born king, so he sends his soldiers to slaughter any potential rivals, children two and under, children ripped from their mother's arms, their blood darkening the earth. Mothers wailing with grief, rightly inconsolable. Bethlehem was a small village. It's likely that Mary and Joseph knew these dead children. And I wonder about their grief and their survivor's guilt when they found out. Anywhere in the world, children are in danger or in pain. Things are ill at ease. It is never right that little ones are sick or in harm's way. This text begs us to ask who our tyrants are and what innocents are being slaughtered in their nightmarish grab for power. Children martyred in the nearly 50 school shootings that took place in this country in 2019. Children seeking asylum like the child Jesus but not received. Children in cages, these are our innocents. The unnatural calm we experience and celebrate and love over Christmas Eve is but a part of the story, the eye of the storm, as chaos and danger swirl around the edges of the tale. How quickly we have been transported from the gold and frankincense and myrrh and dropped into the brutal violence. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. This text oscillates between hope and nightmare yet again when Joseph has another dream. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled, he will be called a Nazarene. Even tyrants die, and Herod is no different. Once the immediate threat is neutralized, the family may dream once more. 
They may dream again of home and family, the lives they had known and the people who made up their world. No longer subjected to the strange food and language and ritual of Egypt, the family would be, would be free to return to their native land as citizens, no longer refugees, legal or illegal. They can find their neighbors and catch up on gossip and return to their normal lives, the hiccup of this threat quickly forgotten, or so they think. Once the family has again packed their things and begun the journey home, what they hear is even worse than a nightmare. Herod's son, Archelaus, is now king of Judea. And so Joseph has yet another dream. He's, returned, he's warned not to return to Bethlehem and guides his family instead to Nazareth, a sleepy fishing village. Perhaps there the nightmares will cease. Perhaps there the storm will calm. As we look upon our manger scene on the fifth day of Christmas, it looks quite different. The shepherds have gone back to their flocks. The magi have returned to their homes. The oxen and sheep have returned to their feeding. Yet the family remains. They are alone trying to make their way and raise their child in the wake of political tyranny that endangers all around them. They are deeply imperiled and hoping simply to continue to live. Yet the Gospel of Matthew invites us and even compels us to dream differently. The light of the world has come, he says. A king has been born to save God's people. Even in our deep darkness, the light breaks in. When a child is born, when we find shelter in unexpected places, when we know that we know that we know that God is with us, we experience the Holy's providential care. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew is audacious enough to ask us to look squarely at the pain and brokenness of the world and hope anyway. When the powers of the world are working to do their worst, Matthew affirms that God is working too. Nothing can defeat the promise of Emmanuel, the knowledge that with us is God. When we know in our bones that hope is the proper response to God's presence, we are free to dream of a world in which children are safe and secure and then work to make it come into being. The dream of God's presence with us secure, Matthew sees a brilliant future for the child of Mary and Joseph. And if we dream and work hard enough to, so may we create a future for our own innocence. Amen. And in response to God's call to work toward justice, our final hymn today is number 145, O Come All Ye Faithful. And please stand in body or spirit.